With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. We now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts on the Ride with Royce. Go ahead, Manny. I can just tell you this. This was one of those great Mother's Day weekends when Mother was downstairs watching whatever she was watching, and I was upstairs. <laughs> uh, lots of sports viewing this weekend. And this these are Manny's four deep thoughts from this sports-filled weekend. And number one comes from yesterday afternoon. 2-2. Two, two. Grossman goes down looking. Two down. 0-2 on the way now to Dozier. Got him swinging. Make that four consecutive strikeouts. Down goes Kepler. Down goes Rosario. High fastball, two outs. 99-mile-an-hour fastball from Shohei Otani. Here comes the 1-2. Swing and a miss. Down goes Rosario. 11th strikeout of the afternoon for Shohei Otani. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he, uh, when he can throw it by you, that gives him a big advantage. And, and he's got the splitty to go with it. I love... Oops, I should turn this on. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you just, yeah, he can throw 100 by you, and then, oh, here's... A 74-mile-an-hour <laughs> EFAS pitch. Mm-hmm. Man, that was impressive. Yeah, Otani was pretty good. And, you know, Fernando Romero, he only went he five innings, in but he, he hung around. He was okay. We had a Who was the plate umpire yesterday? He didn't like the uh, the ball in the corner. No. He did not like yeah. the ball in the corner. And the guy Saturday night, Gucciano, was terrible. He wouldn't give uh, anybody the ball in the corner. So... But uh, yeah, Otani, it's uh, it's real. It's real there. What are they going to do though? They have thirteen pitchers, uh, and it's not enough for them because they're using the six man rotation. Are they going to kind of ramp him up and try to get him to pitch every five days? Well, there was wasn't there talk during the broadcast history that Sosha had said that they wouldn't be afraid to use him in relief too. In some cases, if 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 that were you know if they're oh. on a short. Yeah, I, I don't know how they'd get away with it because you'd yeah, want him to start every game. I think you're pushing the envelope with that one, but I don't know. Because we'll I keep watching this well, thinking it's a, it's a you can't you can't blame them for not having a hundred percent idea where they're going because this has never, we've never seen never this happened. before. Yeah, we haven't this, seen this, and yeah. this is completely new stuff. Yes. All right. Thought number two. It'll be a long forty-eight hours for Ty Lue, for LeBron James and the Cavs as they come to Boston, where they have had so much postseason success in the last six years. And they get blown out. It's all Celtics start to finish. Boston 108, Cleveland 83. Yeah, that was a beatdown. And I, I didn't watch the entire game. I turned it on uh, at the start of the second quarter, and the Celtics were already up by 20 points. Yes. And um, I just, you know, I watched most of the game after that. And just that was just a... 
That was just a whooping. And that, I think if the Celtics are going to win this series, that was the game that they needed to have. They needed to have, you got, you got home court advantage already. So you have that working for you. You've got to jump up one nothing on Cleveland because LeBron is always good for getting at least one road game mm-hmm. in every series. And to jump up 1-0, you're, you're in a lot better position to maybe win this series if you were down than if you it, were down It 1-0. was an absolute blowout, but Cleveland missed a lot of open threes. They, yeah. they couldn't make shots. They just didn't make any shots. Kevin Love missed open threes. J.R. Smith missed open threes. But it was a blowout. You know, and, uh, I was just going to say, a thought occurred to me when I was watching the end of that game. Does this successful run the Celtics are on, does this hurt Kyrie Irving's chances of being a part of this team going forward? Because no. they're, they're a much better team than... We previously thought before he got injured. I think they're they're very well. They're deep and they're very well coached. I mean, Brad Stevens is he is he's going down Popovich territory with just the way that he's handled this Kyrie, team minus minus the championships. Obviously, but. Kyrie's going to have to uh, get into the idea that he's just part of the operation, though. Yeah, and I guess that's yeah, that, yeah. Thing. And don't forget, Reavers. They have Gordon Hayward coming back next no, that's year right. too. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, they've got with Tatum and Brown and you know Aaron Baines. I mean, Horford's been terrific. I mean, they've got Aaron Baines. If I played against him, I if he wasn't so big, I'd just like to punch him. Don't you, don't you just like to punch him? I'd be like Charles. Somebody should punch him in the face. <laughs> somebody should punch him in the face. Yeah. But uh, boy, it was uh, it was they have. You know, Cleveland, LeBron has probably gotten as much praise on this run as he's ever gotten. But, man, when they have gotten beat, they have gotten beat bloody. It looks bad. Bloody. Especially on the defensive end. They look really Indiana, bad defensively. They got beat bloody, and then they came back and won. Yep. All right, number three. Who's that soft going to dangle? Shoot, score! Alex Ovechkin with 16-26 to go. The Capitals are that close from a two games to none lead. They've got a 5-2 advantage here at Amelie Arena. Well, our guy Chris Long is happy right now. Oh, His Capitals man, yes. are two games to none on my, yep. uh, on my uh, lightning. He's, so. uh, he's uh, I, I, I think we, we can expect children in nine months, I think. <laughs> in the Long household. <laughs> Maybe twins. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, those are two big wins for uh for Washington and in Tampa. Now they're gonna go home with a two two game none lead on the uh and they I would look, say the lightning were probably favored, I gotta, right? I gotta admit I watched fifteen minutes of, of mm-hmm. the two games, but they were much the better mm-hmm. both games. Much when they had the puck down on that other end, they were just throwing it all over the place and the Tampa Bay was running around in circles. I usually don't like using the the terminology, you know, the team of destiny type mm-hmm. of. I don't like using that stuff, but well, listen, I don't know. This team they should is, have been done six weeks ago. They were down two yeah. zero against Columbus mm-hmm. at two home losses. Yeah, two home losses. And the way they're playing right now, I mean, I, I was know. taunting Chris Long on Twitter only uh, six <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> All right, number four. What's going on? Somebody's been tossed now as uh, Carlos Torres has had enough, and it looks like Guardy Guardy is in trouble, <laughs> and Guardy letting him have it now. <laughs> Torres didn't immediately throw him out. He let him go a little bit, and then he finally gave him the heave-ho. And apparently he'll head back to the clubhouse now. Yes, so Torres, it sounded like is Torres is a young umpire, right? Yeah. And it sounded like so. Darry saying, you're going to figure out how to umpire. Yeah, you're, you're going to figure, figure it out. out. You're going to figure out how to umpire. Uh, but uh, Gardy would not have made it through 
uh, those two Mike Trout strike threes on Saturday oh, night. Oh, no. Uh-uh. The, the <laughs> would not have made it through that game because they struck him out twice and they didn't call it either time. <laughs> that wouldn't have been it, you know. That uh, Gardy would not have made it through that one. So, that's, him, so that's two for him this year, right? Yeah, opening I think day just and then, two. And then, uh, and then and Saturday. opening day, you, you had no choice. If, you know, they yeah. you won the game, and then they say they yeah, took it from you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, How many do no, you think no. you'll end up with this year? Well, you'll get his usual seven. Well, eight. we looked seven, it up eight. during sports talk, Manny. He's eighth all time with seventy three ejections. I don't know if the two this year have counted towards that because it was. Uh, a Wikipedia page, so I don't know if it was updated, but he only no. has, needs seven to get to seven. Well, he's got all a time. three-year deal. He'll be well into the hundreds by then. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Because he complains about balls and strikes, and a lot I of get them. you tossed every time. Yeah, yeah. Molly doesn't uh, do it. I would have, if I was him, I would have been barking a lot the other night. Now, did you see, however, which I enjoyed, Garvin Alston went to the mound. Yes, and he waited. For him to come out and then because he, he wanted to say and, something, and then he yes. let him have it pretty good. Mm. And I think Molitor must have said, "Go out there and wait for the umpire and, and give him hell, tell him yeah. how he's uh, you know not calling strikes." Yeah, Gibby could have had a lot better game. All right, we'll uh, return and uh, we'll talk to uh, Pat Garofalo about will Minnesota end up having legalized sports gambling. Garofalo, a Republican House member from Farmington. Uh, how you doing, sir? The greatest day ever, Pat. How are you doing? <laughs> I am good. The uh, Supreme Court, of course, has ruled that states can set their uh, own rules here as far as sports gambling. What is the appetite at the state legislature for getting involved in this? Well, I would say, first of all, there's the appetite of the legislature, then there's the appetite of uh, the general public. We have five days left in the legislative session, so the... I mean, the yeah. ability for us to pass this, yeah, right. this week is just not going to happen. And people mm-hmm. are interested in it, but in a complex issue like this, we can't we can't set up a regulatory construct in five days, especially with the other stuff we no. we need to do. But that being said, I think long term, I'm very optimistic about the prospects of it. Uh, even in the Supreme Court's decision, they said that. Uh, Sports gambling is immensely popular. They actually put it into the decision. So uh, essentially not legalizing it here results in lost money to the pro sports teams, results in a loss of tax revenue. It results in a loss of money to the tribal casinos in our state. And all that money just goes overseas to these Caribbean sports books. So there's really, from a financial, ethical, and intelligence standpoint, there's really no reason why we would export this business out of our state, essentially when people are already participating in it. Hey, now, what? Uh, how would these sports teams get involved in the profits? They've done pretty well uh, getting uh, state money the way it is, so uh, they probably don't need any more of our money. Oh, but. Royce, you're so negative. Come on. It's the people's stadium. What do you <laughs> yes, mean? It's it not is. their stadium. Which one? I, I get confused. Uh, I'll ask you that a little later about stadium building, but, uh, I mean, what? Uh, I know that uh, I, was re- I was watching something on one of the, uh, you know, CNN, ESPN, ESPN, I don't know where, the other night about how the sports leagues have been expecting this, and they've been trying to get in on the process of how, how the gambling would be set up uh, to some degree. Is uh, I mean, I, we're not far enough down the road to know, to know wh- what that would lead to, but uh, what, what do you see going on there as far as the sports teams getting involved in this? 
Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, is that you know they put the product on the field, and they are going to have some additional um, you know cost to main, maintain that the integrity of the game that there's no. You know, yeah. everything's on the up and up, so that's legitimate. Uh, in addition, when they're having contests in their arena or their stadium, something that's very popular in Europe is in-game betting, where you're mm-hmm. able to, you know, at the end of, <laughs> uh, end of the first period or end of the third inning, you know. Uh, okay. um, maybe you want to bet against a certain reliever from a certain pro baseball team giving up a blown save this game or yes. something like that. Um, and that's very popular, so the opportunity to, to license that stuff that's actually in-game while it's occurring, you know, because they actually have to be reporting metrics in the stadium during the game, because if you're just following it on TV, the delay, they need instantaneous communication. So, you know, controlling what's going on in terms of their stadiums or arenas, I think that's reasonable. But a lot of this is up in the air, Pat. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, the decisions that are made in the next couple of months are going to regulate this enterprise for the next 20 and 30 years. And it's a big, big deal. This is the biggest thing since 1988 with the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act when tribal um, reservations were able to get casinos. So it's a really big deal. And, of course, the leagues are going to... They're, I mean, they're going to want their cut of the action just like everyone else does. It will be interesting to see if the tribal casino just run off and uh, start uh, taking bets here pretty soon on their own, too, you know? Well, uh, I think... It, and again, it's I think it's... You know, first of all, like, I want this to happen yesterday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, right. So I want to be, and I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners who are the same way that are like, hey, great, the federal court, the, the Supreme Court overturned the uh, federal ban on gambling. Can I bet on the Twins game tonight? Well, no, this is going to take some time. We, we want to hurry up and do this, but we also want to make sure we get it right. And the opinions of the tribal casinos are very important. We don't, um, gambling issues in and of themselves can be very provocative and controversial. And so we want to have all the stakeholders at the table getting all their opinions in because we just, as a state, we do not have the regulatory infrastructure to handle sports gambling right now. There are very few people who have experience in this area. And if they do have experience, uh, they're probably from the arm and leg division of the Garofalo family in terms yeah. of, you know, uh, maybe not the best figures. So we want to we wanna make sure we get it right. Okay, you're a proud member of the Grand Old Party and uh, probably are not big on creating another enormous government bureaucracy to oversee something like this. Uh, could, they, could it become part of a gambling uh, structure that already exists in Minnesota that would have to be obviously expanded? But how do you keep from creating another huge monopoly? I mean, well, not I think- a bureaucracy, not a monopoly. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, um, there's somewhere in between the two options you presented there. I mean, there there should be a, a sports gambling board that manages this issue because the there's no overlap with the lottery. It has nothing to do with electronic pull tabs. Um, the sports that are going to want to have their games wagered on or not have their games wagered on, they need to they need to be able to be a full-time entity that they can petition a regulatory body on. And the public utilities, the existing agencies we have, just don't have the expertise. So I don't think we need to build a giant bureaucracy, but I do think a three- or five-member panel that mimics the um, Nevada Gaming Control Board would be the wise way for us to go, not to interfere with the existing regulatory compacts with the Native American casinos or tribal casinos, but just for sports gambling. And beyond that, there really shouldn't be uh, a tremendous amount of staff. There, There should be an opportunity for us to leverage the decisions that Nevada has already made and tap into their expertise and, you know, 
have some startup costs, but not not have a lot of stuff going on into the long term. Hey Pat, uh, I know that our uh, sports leagues have to act like they're uh, opposed to uh, these kind of things, but don't you think deep in their hearts they think this is wonderful? <laughs> well, I won't want to speak for them, but I do. Uh, I mean, I will say that this is going to drive a significant increase in fan interest. Yes, uh, people are going to be more interested in watching meaningless games. They're going to be more interested in watching all aspects of the games. Um, the NBA is kind of ahead of the curve on this. The commissioner has basically stated his preference for this. So I'm not even sure if they're private about it anymore. This is going to result in additional attendance, additional fan interest, additional TV ratings, additional TV revenue. Um, it's going to be a, I mean, this is going to be really good for the leagues that choose to participate. I think the NCAA is struggling with how to address this. Yes. Um, because unlike the pro athletes who, um, obviously it's nearly impossible to offer them financial compensation, when you have unpaid collegiate athletes um, and you're asking them to do things like, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of point-shaving scandals out there that we know of, and um, that's problematic, and it's something that they're going to, I mean, they're going to have to address. But the good news is, is that bringing this into the public sphere, into a public regulatory construct, gives us the data to see unusual betting patterns and to see what's going on. That's how when Arizona State got busted with their point-shaving scandal, it was the Nevada uh, Gambling Control Board that actually caught him. It wasn't the FBI. So uh, the uh, gubernatorial race this summer, uh, certainly there are many other issues to argue about, uh, but uh, you, I would imagine uh, people are going to have to uh, stake out uh, which way they are on this uh, this summer as they're running for uh, governor. Oh, I would think so. I mean, again, we, we here at the legislature have the ability to walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we can, you know, I, I respect the fact that people would say, well, why are you talking about sports gambling instead of, um, you know, adding another lane to I-94? Well, we, we can do both those things. But uh, every day that goes by just means more and more money is going to be leaving our state and going to these Caribbean sports books. And I do, I do have concerns about not only that money being used for money laundering or narco trafficking, but also there's just no consumer protections. We've heard stories of people winning wagers on, you know, long shot wagers on sports books and then never getting paid. And we want to avoid that from happening. If people are investing, you know, spending money in a wager, then they should have a, it should be a fair wager and they should know that it's honest and on the up and up. Pat Graffalo is with us, a Republican from Farmington in the Minnesota house. Now, Pat, 20 years ago, we had a guy running the Twins who, to show the glories of outdoor baseball, was going to build a bunch of porty potties out in uh, the parking lot at uh, Met Center at um, at the Mall of America, and I, I was calling it Porta Potty Park. And remember, uh, Chris Clauser was going to do that about 1996, and now. If you got a team in this town, we're building you a. We got the greatest collection of stadiums in the history of mankind. What happened? What happened? Was it all? Was it all based on uh, the success of XL Energy Center? Why? Why did we? I'm not opposed to it. I just wonder why we became the greatest stadium building city in America. Well, Pat, I, I don't think that that issue is just applicable to the state of Minnesota. Um, You have seen sports financing change over the last 20, 30 30 years uh, across the nation. And, um, you know, particularly with the the big leagues, there's a a, um, 
you know, there's a mentality that if they don't get uh, public buy-in and infrastructure or stadium costs, that they're going to leave. And all this, and all the major leagues have participated in this. They've, you know, they make the demand. If you don't meet the demand, they leave. I mean, we found that out here in Minnesota, where, you know, Norm Green, who is one of the worst human beings ever to walk <laughs> the face of the earth, um, you know, I think he wanted 15 million to upgrade the suites yes. at Met Center, and he didn't get it, so he left. And then we ended up shelling out, I think it was 10 times that, to build a new facility to get them to come back. So these guys do threaten us, and they follow through on their threats. Uh, we've seen it in the NFL. We've seen you know Major League Baseball when they moved Montreal. And so um, people just kind of have to make a, a value judgment. I'll tell you candidly, it's a battle between the heart and the mind, right? Your heart says, hey, this isn't the proper role of government. We shouldn't be spending money on this. Let them leave. And then your mind takes a look at things and goes, geez, every NFL team that's ever left a market, with the exception of St. Louis, well, actually, they did it once, too. Every time a pro team leaves a market in the NFL, the cities end up changing their mind, spending three or four times as much money to try to get an expansion team or relocate one. And so it's a, it's a tough judgment, but the reality is uh, the public kind of tells us two different things. They say they don't want any tax dollars used on stadiums, but don't let them leave. And that's kind of a that's a difficult proposition, but it's an honest assessment of where we're at. Are you going to be covering up the clocks again on the last day of the legislative no. session to have no. a uh, tax budget bill? No, man, we can't do that anymore. They stopped that. <laughs> they they, that was that was back, you know, back before the internet and before yes. everyone could watch us. Um, they would be able to get away with a lot of stuff like that, covering up the clocks, pretending it wasn't Tuesday, all that stuff. Now, now everything's on the up and up. But the problem is, is that all these things that used to happen behind closed doors that people were kind of yes. the sausage making of the lawmaking process, Pat. The, it happened uh, at the Lexington bars. Right. Well, I mean, it was all behind the scenes, though. <laughs> now with the internet and social media, it's all public and people are like, you know, this is what are you guys doing. And then, of course, just, you know, between you and I and the listeners, um, you know, this governor doesn't always make it easy for us to wrap things up at the end of session. So, um, but we'll, uh, we'll get there. I mean, we got, you know, we have a budget for the next two years. Everything's taken care of. If we, uh, if the governor vetoes all the bills, there's nothing we can really do about it. But you know, we still have the state of Minnesota's government is fully funded for the next two years. All right, Pat. Well, at least I know what I'm going to do uh, when I'm uh, done working. I can gamble for a living and uh, be in very good shape. So, well, my- use my astute knowledge of gambling. That'll come in handy. <laughs> Well, as a sports writer, you have to be particularly knowledgeable on these subjects. Let me ask you tonight, if I could ask you a quick question tonight, St. Louis Cardinals, Twins, how many runs do you think are going to get scored in that game? Uh, who we got? We got Chuck, and we got Odorizzi against who? Who's pitching for the Cardinals? I haven't even looked. Over, under, eight and a half. I'll take the over. I'll take the under. Okay. Good talking with you, Pat. Thanks okay. a lot. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Pat Garofalo, the uh, from the uh, Farmington, uh, a re- uh, Republican House member from Farmington, and he is kicked around. They they haven't gotten to even a bill or anything, but he has made uh, some proposals that would allow Minnesota to join what's going to be an absolute chaotic burst into gambling all over the country. Now that the uh, Supreme Court has said the state can take. Sports gambling, if they want to.
Network. Here's Johnny Height with a lightning fast sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. Before we get to the uh, Twins uh, game update to tell you what's going on tonight, some fresh injury news. Twins catcher Jason Castro, already on the disabled list due to that tear in his right meniscus, will undergo surgery tomorrow. He'll miss another four to six weeks of action. That, according to manager Paul Molitor, undergo surgery tomorrow in Colorado. And so it appears uh, it's Mitch Garver, Bobby Wilson, for the next month. month Get to see Bobby chugging around those bases, man. That's good. Twins playing a makeup game. Too bad Garver is uh, the second coming of Josemio Pinto behind the plate. He is a butcher behind the plate. He can throw. Yeah. The rest of it's not too good. Twins playing a makeup game tonight against the Seattle Mariners at Target Field. Jake Odorizzi will pitch for the Twins. Uh, Righty Wade LeBlanc pitches for the Mariners. Your Twins lineup, uh, we're missing a lefty, uh, left-handed hitter. Here, uh, Eddie yeah. Rosario. Not What's playing wrong with him? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, Maurer leads off. He's... I think it's night game after an afternoon game. <laughs> <laughs> Maurer leads off in DHs. Then we have Dozier, Kepler in right field, Escobar hitting cleanup, Garver catching, hitting fifth, Morrison at first base hitting sixth, Grossman in left field, Buxton in center field, and Adrianza at shortstop. And no, the no tarp Eddie, is on the field. No the Eddie update. Injury update news. Though, nothing. Right? I saw Harp nothing. is on the field. Okay. Yeah, it is raining. I just peeked my head out our window mm-hmm. here. and uh, Yeah, so hopefully they'll be able to get to. Dave said they, they probably might be delayed a little, but he said they'll definitely get it. Okay. Out, so. All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> a major soccer match featuring the United States men's national team is reportedly headed to St. Paul next June at the new home of Minnesota United, Allianz Field. SI.com reporting that the U.S. will play its Gold Cup opener June 18th, 2019 at Allianz. An opponent has not been named yet, but United has a news conference scheduled for Well, they'll be well-rested because they don't have to use up any any energy in the World Cup this year, the uh, U.S. team. <laughs> I'm never going to stop, stop teasing them about that. No. And uh, how would the Cowboys like rookie defensive end Dorrance Armstrong to learn about rushing the passer? Armstrong said at a rookie mini camp, his defensive coordinator Rod Marinelli gave him homework to watch and find out everything he could about Chris Dolman, former Viking. Really? He said uh, Marinelli said that's the kind of player he wants Armstrong to strive to be. Armstrong said he was a real good dude, a monster off the edge. Dolman was the fourth overall pick, of course, in the 85 draft, played for the Vikes, Falcons, and 49ers for 15 seasons, eight-time Pro Bowler, member of the 1990s All-Decade. Kind of a uh, hard guy to get along with when he was first here, but boy, when he came back the second time, he's the nicest guy that ever lived. Really? Yeah, Yeah, a little more humble. All right, Johnny, that's good, thanks. (laughs) You bet. Tiger here going with the big sandwich. Pretty good audio there. You could even hear the splash. That's right. Uh, that was Tiger on uh, 17, which ended a uh, very good two days. He was fantastic on Saturday and uh, very good uh, yesterday, almost to the point that you thought, is Webb Simpson going to falter here a little bit? Is Tiger going to get the 13 or 14? You never thought he was going to have a chance to win it. Well, Tiger actually was at 14 at one point, uh, and then he uh, lost three strokes. 
14, uh, two days uh, two days in a row, got him. But as well as he hit the ball, the golf course was a joke. It was so easy. Uh, it was uh, soft enough. They'd get some run on the fairway. It was soft enough. But these guys were, on the, every par four, they were hitting eight irons. It was... Uh, it was just uh, look, really, look. really easy. The greens were not that, you know, they weren't fast and firm. They did, they hardly ever are down there. Let me ask you a question because, you know, you follow the sport of golf much closer yes. than I do, and I'm assuming Manny too. Mm-hmm. But so, what is your complaint about when the course is easy? Because I know I'm, I'm genuinely asking because if it's I, e- well, hold on. If, if it's easy for one guy, then isn't it easy yes, for the whole is, group? Yes, but you want to see people challenged, Okay. You know, you want to see them challenged. They aren't challenged. You know, you want them to see. You don't want the you inflated want to scores. See them to make. Well, no. I mean, if 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 the golf course is hard, and you're a 19 under, I have no problem. But uh, I I want to see them have to execute a shot. And when they're sitting in the middle of the fairway, hitting a wedge into a par, par four with a green with a pin that's very accessible half the time sitting down on a bowl it's no fun it's i mean it's it's i want to see them challenged i guess what i'm getting at is if if it's if the course is harder and somebody has like a seven or eight under for the tournament yeah, there's, there's more it. there's more well, there's more I, of I a just, premium on that performance yes right? yeah all i'm saying is hey i saw tiger shoot 12 under at pebble beach and win by 15 strokes mm-hmm. that was the greatest golf performance because then you know that it's that it was a ridiculous performance the 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 course was difficult but if you got for everybody but if you got tiger but if you got 30 guys at all all at 15 under they couldn't there was it was like watching the seniors play tpc with big wide fairways and not enough trouble there's not enough trouble unless you hit unless you hit a ball offline into the water there's no trouble there, they had no rough. They had, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a walk in the park. I mean, ungodly low scores uh, all over. You know, Brooks kept the shot sixty three yesterday, and he didn't even. You know, you shoot sixty three on the last day, you should be a contender. I, I just thought it was way too easy. That it, uh, you know, I, I, I love to watch great golfers execute have to execute shots, and they didn't have to execute shots. I mean, okay, how many times did you, did you guys watch any of it? I uh, watched very I little. How many times you see somebody in the trees? About twice. There's The trees are way off to the side. There aren't that many. It's uh, You know what you got to do? As I said, that huge... Uh, air, Alligator from South Carolina. Put him out there. The picture. Get, Get him, him out there on the fairway. Sure. Get him out there on the golf course. <laughs> Might eat a couple of fans, but it make these guys nervous. <laughs> yes, we'll let them sweat nervous. a little bit. Make them do d- a seventeen is the greatest marketing scam in the history of American sports, and I love the hole because you get to see a guy hit in the water once in a while, but it. How did they make the? If they had not done that at this golf course, nobody would ever talk about this golf course as being a great golf course. It's a decent golf course. 18's a hell of a hole. Some of them, you know, you got to hit it in certain spots, but it's target golf, and it just doesn't challenge these guys. 
uh, lengthwise now. The only way to challenge these guys now is to make it fast and firm and grow some rough and narrow it up, and you don't do that at the players. And Now, next year, it'll be in March. They're moving it back, and the wind blows in Florida in March. And if the wind, the wind was blown two yesterday, mm. most of the day. It was, there was no mm-hmm. wind. I guess they said up high it was blowing harder than that, but you never saw wind affecting do, any shots. Do most golf fans have the same opinion about the courses as, as you do? I mean, are, are, are a lot of guys that follow the game closely, are they saying the same thing that they want to see? Because I'm wondering if for, for TV purposes or whatever that it's it's a more competitive viewing if it's well, if it is a tougher course. Well, I'll admit that I'm maybe in the minority because I did not enjoy the last day at Hazeltine at the Ryder Cup like everybody else did because they made it so easy. I want the big dog to be the big dog. Hazeltine, a big, nasty, brawny golf course. And they shortened it up. They didn't grow any rough, and they put the pins in the middle of the greens because Davis Love knew that he had more guys who could make birdie than the other guys. So that's why that wasn't your last column. You said I'm no, not going. I'm not going to go out on watching them play some powder puff golf course. I'll wait till it's there the next time. Right. I'll show you. I'll wait till 2028 when they, you know, when it's a he-man's golf. And course. the Gator is going to make an appearance. The yeah. Gator at Hazeltine. No, I mean I, I know I, I got that on. I was bad mouthing the place on Twitter yesterday and got the same response. Isn't it the same for everybody? Yes, but. Don't you want your great athletes to be challenged, okay? In in basketball, it's, hey, now game two of the Celtics-Cavs is going to be great. If yeah. Cavs had, if the Cavs had won by 25 yesterday, uh, LeBron's going to oh, yeah, Now yeah, LeBron's got to show up, right? He's yeah. been challenged. Sure. And I think it's this is an individual sport, obviously. But uh, I don't know. I just, I don't want to say it's, don't make it unplayable. But don't make it that easy. I thought it was terribly easy. I mean, nobody was ever in any trouble. Because if they make the courses outside of, the, obviously, the four majors and the players, but if they make the courses too difficult, doesn't that also then prevent a lot of guys from showing up if they're if the course is too difficult to play? Well, they're not. They're not. None of the weekly tournaments are played on golf courses. Now, last week was perfect. Charlotte. Okay. Quail Hollow is a good, tough golf course. And, you know, they... They it they it it was not over the edge in any way, and you showed up and and, and it identified you had to hit really good golf shots. In this and but there was trouble available if you hit a bad golf shot. Okay. In this place, you don't get unless you hit it in the water. You know, and they got water or no, there's water all over. Uh, but you got to hit it offline to get it in the water. And uh, you know, if you hit the if you hit a ball. Offline, if the water's on the left, you hit the ball right, right? Well, over here on the right, I want trouble. Mm-hmm. I want trouble, and they just hit it in the you know, They just hit it in the middle of the fairway, and it's not, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not firm, and it was it was just easy. That golf course needs wind, and they didn't have any wind, so and it was a little soft too from uh, the humidity. It was hotter than it normally is too, and it was. Uh, Do we know how it fared for viewing? Because because of Tiger oh, being I'm in sure contention, it did great. I didn't look, but I'm sure it did great because Tiger was in contention. You know, Saturday morning didn't help him any good. 
didn't help him Saturday because by the time they turned it on, Tiger was done was making sixty five. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was done. But he played great. Yeah, he hit it good. But again, I thought the golf course was really easy. As somebody said, you'd shoot a hundred and ten there. Well, no, I would. I wouldn't. I do not. I'd have a do not did not finish. Right. But I don't <laughs> think that is the standard we should apply. This is to too easy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is the standard that should be applied. That it would be too much for me. I don't think, you know, we don't have to go, I don't have to go all the way to Florida to find something that's too much for me. You know? <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. May 14, 1948, Ben-Gurion proclaims the State of Israel at the City Museum Tel Aviv. Thus, the Zionist vision of Jewish intellectuals, led by Theodor Herzl, to give the Jewish people a homeland becomes true. Yeah, and uh, to uh, help celebrate, uh, 70 years later, the uh, United States had a ceremony over there today at its new embassy in Jerusalem, which has caused... All kinds of hell to be raised in uh, in uh, Israel and uh, in Palestine and all that. But on May 14th, 1948, uh, the uh, Jewish state became uh, official. And meanwhile, as uh, Ben-Gurion was speaking, the rumble of guns could be heard from fighting that broke out between Jews and Arabs following the British Army's withdrawal earlier that day. And... That uh, day, just for giggles, Egypt launched an air assault against Israel, and we've been battling ever since. Right, seventy years of uh, seventy years of uh, of fighting going on over there. And I don't know if you caught this, but uh, it also we we did Manny grabbed some other audio from this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Brewster, what do you think? After this, is there hope for Palestine and Israel? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've used that joke a couple of times. I don't care. <laughs> Starting an interview with the Gopher head football coach with that well, was that spectacular. Was, that, that was actually after he was gone and he was working at uh, oh, it was network. Okay, yeah, that was our first radio. That was our first, the I first morning the first, show. Right? First, was it the morning show or with Mackey? Oh, he was still coaching when the morning show started, so it must have been. He got fired in two thousand ten, right? Halfway through that. Okay, season. so maybe it maybe it wasn't. Uh, Maybe I, I'm not sure. It was it was early on in our uh, togetherness. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think Coach Brew had many thoughts on that. Coach Brew and I, uh, we did have a sit down reconciliation. You there. patched her uh, up. Well, I don't think it's. Not exactly. I think unlike I think like the Egypt Israel peace pact. <laughs> I don't I don't think it held. Got it. I don't think it held as, as strongly as hey, we. You know. both tried. We did try. You still block me on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I think I might have tried harder than him, which is really not saying much about him. <laughs> Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. 
Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.